This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. His messages to you, his miraculous signs to you, so you can now become committed to guidance. Now become serious. This was step two. Step two was hold on to the Qur'an and use that as an excuse to create brotherhood. Use as an, as an excuse to create unity. You know what we're seeing here tonight? This is not Nawal Ali Khan. This is the power of Qur'an. This is Qur'an. It can create unity. We don't even know each other. But I, I sense a genuine brotherhood. You, you feel it too. This is powerful. This is what Qur'an can do. So you can become committed to God. You can feed off of each other's energy. And you can become more and more serious. And more and more committed to the direction that Allah wants you to go into. Our, the final step, if we get through, through this step, and we have a healthy community, and we have brotherhood among each other, then we are ready for the next step. You don't go to the next step until you take care of step one and step two. Eventually we'll be at step three. What's step three? Out of you, a group should rise. They should be made up of people from you. And their job will be to call people to good things. They'll be always inviting people to good things. In other words, not every one of us is going to hit the podium. But there will be a group that will come from us. When the brotherhood is created, talent and talents will be identified, and we're going to hone those talents, and the entire community is going to invest in those talents, and they're going to rise. And they're going to call people to good. Can you imagine young people from our community, our own community, one day giving the khutbahs, one day inviting people to good? One day going and, and going on talk shows and responding to people that are hating on Islam. <coughs> Our own kids that are born and raised here. Can you imagine that day? It's an incredible thing. When they're from among you. <coughs> calling to the good. Probably one of the most misunderstood concepts in the entire Qur'an. Actually I was going to spend about an hour and a half just on this tonight, but I can't. Just on وَيَأْمُرُنَا بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَوْنَا عَلِ الْمُنْكَرِ But I'll summarize what I can for you. The, the translation says most of the time, they command the good and forbid the evil. How many people have heard that before? Command the good, forbid the evil. Right? You've heard that before, right? Very, very shallow translation. يَأْمُرُونَ means, it's a spectrum of things. أَمْر means suggesting something, advising something, trying to convince someone to do something. You know, encouraging someone to do something and commanding someone to do something. Is there a difference between suggesting and encouraging and commanding? There is, right? It starts with suggestion. And you know there are different situations. I give you a real life, really simple example. I love simple examples. Or I think they're simple. Right? Dinner's ready. I'm gonna call my dad to dinner and I'm gonna call my son to dinner. Dad is downstairs, son is upstairs. I'm going to say to my son, dinner's ready. I'm going to say to my dad, Abba, uh, dinner's ready. <laughs> I did Amr in both cases. In one case, I used authority. In the other case, I used respect, request, right? Two different things, two different situations. Amr bil ma'roof depends on the situation. You don't go commanding people. You don't take out your, you know, your haram gun and haram, 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 haram. <laughs> Everything's haram. You can't do that, don't do that, no, no, no. And we have unfortunately some of this social constipation in our masajid in some places. 
But we have it. I know it's a bad term, but I feel that way. Like it's almost like you can't even be happy in a masjid. Like if you smile and say, Salaamu Alaikum. Masjid. No, no happiness here. Like, like, oh man, masjid is supposed to be a place you can be happy. Don't, don't be judgmental on people. Don't just you know, tell people, you should be doing this. That's haram, you know. That's not right, you know. And the guy, you know, this happened in a masjid recently. This youth came to the masjid in Ramadan, last Ramadan. And some of these kids have never been in a masjid. Like, they're Muslim, but they've never been in a masjid, ever. The kid walk, walks into the masjid, he's got a couple of earrings, you know, and he's got tattoos. What do if, what if some of our incredibly wise members of the community do? That's haram. <laughs> he's like, what, my ears? Haram? What, do you want to pull it off? You know, then you're going to say, it's, your salat is not accepted, you're bleeding. <laughs> what do you want me to do? You can't go around telling people what to do. Your first job, your first job is to instill people in awareness of Allah. Everything else will fall into place. Remember step one? So what does Amr bil Ma'ruf really mean? It means call people to good, decent behavior. Encourage people to do the right thing. Don't worry about the finer details. Don't, they will happen. They will take care of themselves. Worry about the big things. You know, there's, you, can, you can correct someone on how high their pants are, and you can try to advise someone to get out of a liquor store. Which is a priority, think about that. You know? You, you're correcting someone, no, 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 no. You need to pray all 20. Or don't come at all. Seriously? Okay, alhamdulillah. The situation outside is under control, they're saying. Alright, alhamdulillah. Yeah, we can, we can go on, inshallah. But, uh, yeah, we can. Okay, so what was I saying? Something about Islam? Yeah, priorities. Priorities. When you're gonna bring up an issue, make sure it's an issue of priority. There are finer details in our deen. Brother, the way you're making wudu is not correct. It may be true. The way he's making wudu is not correct. That's not the way to bring it up though. That's not the way to bring it up. That's not Amr bin Ma'roof. That's just you trying to show people that you know more than them. That's just you inflating your own ego. Don't do that. And eventually when we become a community of encouraging each other to do good, and I tell you what that is, I'll give you some practical examples of what you should be encouraging people to do. Tell people how are you, how are you raising your kids? What do you plan on doing with the kids? You know, even for Muslims that aren't practicing their religion, even they're worried about their children, right? Even non-Muslims are worried about their children. And so when we bring that priority, then people actually, that concern for our children is an actual easy vehicle by which people can start coming closer to their religion too. Coming closer to the, becoming more serious about their deen. يَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ They forget, forbid all disgusting, vile things. Before you talk about Halal and haram issues, which most of you and I are not qualified to talk about anyway. Let's talk about evil things first. Outright evil things. What are evil things? These are things like shamelessness in the media. Shows that make fun of prophets. And our kids watch them. And they have no problem with it. The kind of munkar that's going on nowadays, I feel, is, you know, 
I don't necessarily come out and say Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff is haram because I don't think personally, I don't see that it's forbidden. But I do see that Muslims are, they have no standards. We have no standards in how we talk. When somebody says something and you want to put a comment about what they said, most of the time it's a compliment or an insult. You tell me, compliment or insult? Insult. Most of the time you want to say something that puts somebody else down. This is just not how a Muslim talks. We, don't, we just don't talk like this. That's not how we're supposed to communicate. This is a kind of munkah. You're just creating bad feelings among each other. You're making a culture out of making fun of each other. Don't let any group make fun of another group. Don't do that. That's just not how you should do. Right? Another munkar is just how much we're allowing our standards to drop in what we watch on TV and what we, what we watch in movies. We allow ourselves to say, There's only, it's only PG-13. It's only R, but it's only got one bad scene. Everything, everything else is fine. Did you see the special effects? I mean, who of you is going to go on Judgment Day? You're being interrogated about the movie. I said, did you see the special effects though? <laughs> it's amazing. No, at that point it's not worth it. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. And one of, the, one of shaitan's jobs is to make bad deeds no big deal. So when somebody says, you know, that's a really bad idea, the first thing shaitan will put in your head is, come on man, lighten up. Relax. Everything's haram for you. Live a little. You won't be saying that later on. You'll be saying that now. This is, this is the, the essential message of Qur'an. وَيَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَوْنَ عَلَى الْمُنْكَرِ وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ And those are the ones that are truly successful. The rest of my conversation with you guys will be about this ayah. And how we can create a culture around this ayah within the Muslim community, within every single masjid in the country, within Houston, within the city of Houston, inshallah ta'ala. You know, and how we can become a part of that. Of implementing these three steps starting at the masjid. This session I want to conclude with the following statement that will give a rise to the next section, the next conversation I want to have with you as a result of this. What I want to share with you is the most important agenda of Muslims in this country is to raise a good family. We have no other agenda than that one. To, to be the best husband we can be, to be the best wives we can be, to be the best mothers and fathers we can be, to raise the best sons and daughters we can raise. And to be the best sons and daughters we can be. This is our number one agenda. There's no other agenda. The institution of family is under attack. It's being destroyed. It's caving in from the inside. And we have to protect it. <coughs> now this institution of family, you know what gives it strength? What supports it? Is the masjid. The masjid protects the family. That's what it's supposed to do anyway. The masjid is a place where you're supposed to be involved, not as just a man, not as just a married couple, not just for the boys. It's supposed to be a place for the entire family. It's supposed to be where families learn their religion, where they learn to meet other Muslims and create a culture of Islam. What's the other place you're going to meet Muslims? Regularly. The weekly convention Muslims have is the Jum'ah prayer. Right? That's, so it has, our, our families need to be connected to the masajid. Now, the other thing is our masajid cannot survive until they have involvement from the entire family. When our masajid only have involvement from the men, fights break out. When our masajid only have involvement from some group from the community, fights break out. When the masajid have involvement from the entire family, the priorities stay straight. We do things for kids, we do things for women, we do things for men, we take care of every element of a community. 
So the community needs the family and the family needs the community. They both need each other. If you try to raise a family disconnected from the masjid, disconnected from... When I say community, I actually mean masjid. Please understand. When I say community, I mean masjid. When you try to raise a family that's practically disconnected from the masjid, disconnected from the community, you are asking for trouble. Because over time, it will become easier and easier for you to let go of more and more of the religion. Families that moved out to some random boondocks where the dad got a job and there's no masjid out there and he's raising his kids by himself, only Muslim family, two Muslim families in the entire town. After 10-15 years when their kids are teenagers, they're the ones that are writing emails that you can sense the tears when they were writing them. What should I do with my kids? I don't know, I, I don't know what happened between me and my wife. Because there was no community. So the family started falling apart. We need each other. You know, uh, the communities in Texas have a huge advantage. We really do. We have a huge advantage. I come from New York. We don't have that kind of advantage, I'm telling you. Most communities, we don't have that advantage. We have an, Im- an immense advantage here. We have the opportunity, we have all the ingredients, we've got to use them though. We've got to put them together now. It's not, we're just getting started. The, the masajids have been built by the, by the mercy of Allah. Now it's time to bring them to life. Now it's time to fill them with our families. So inshallah we'll talk practical steps about that and some really important considerations that all of us need to have in, in developing healthy communities inshallah ta'ala. After our break, I'll give you guys a 10 minute break. Is that the official verdict? 10 minutes? Take 15. Go make some long distance phone calls. Go. <laughs> right, go. I'll talk to you in 15 minutes. I don't want to sit down and talk because I can't see you. And if you can't see me, you'll start talking to each other. And that's also problematic. Okay. So I want to dedicate this last session, or section, uh, to... <laughs> I'm sorry, it is the last section. <laughs> no! <laughs> Houston's very passionate, very passionate people. Okay, so I want to de- dedicate this last uh, uh, conversation to um, something that I find very relative, uh, relevant and I think important, and it should be brought to the awareness of as many communities as possible. I've talked about it on multiple occasions before. I don't know if it's made its way up onto YouTube or not, but I'll share it with you anyway. And what I want to talk to you about is the fundamental differences between a cult and a community. The fundamental differences between a cult and a community. So there's two words here now, cult and community. In a cult, everybody's supposed to look the same. They're supposed to talk the same. They're supposed to walk the same. They're supposed to dress the same. They're supposed to say the same thing. They're supposed to acknowledge uh, uh, validity from the same source. It's this like, create zombies. Right, that's what a cult is. Nobody can think for themselves. Nobody can disagree from the opinion that everybody else has. If you disagree even a little bit, you're a hypocrite, you're a sellout, you're a kafir, you're a munafiq, you're a fasik. Every name you can find in the book is you. In a community, differences are welcome. You can be different from others. Your language can be different. The way you dress is different. Maybe even your understanding can differ. Your teachers may be different than other people's teachers. In religion, you can have different teachers. A community is diverse. A cult is cut off. It's one one thing. A cult says, we are the only right way. And anybody who says even a little bit different from us is off the straight path. 
So if you want to save yourself, don't listen to them. Don't listen to anybody but us. We'll save you. A cult, a cult does this. A community says, this is what we've come to understand. We know there are other people who disagree with what we have to say. We welcome a conversation. We're willing to understand what others have to say. We're willing to exchange ideas in a healthy way within Muslims and even with non-Muslims. So this is not just this differentiation between Muslims, but even if non-Muslims have something they disagree with us in, instead of calling them kafir, and they're the ones who don't listen to them, we can invite them and we can have a healthy conversation with them in a respectful fashion. That's what a community does. In a cult, when somebody makes a mistake, when somebody gets out of line, they're cut off. You're no good. You, you, you know, you're a munafiq now, you're a hypocrite now. You didn't do what was expected of you. In a community, when somebody makes a mistake, the point of the community is to pick them back up and brush the dust off of their clothes and say, come on, everybody makes mistakes, it's okay. Well, we're here to help you. It's a big difference. That's what a community does. A cult makes, it passes judgment on people. It establishes that the leader is superior to the followers. And all the followers basically have really low self-esteem. They put all of their, all of their confidence in a the leader. They themselves have no regard. They have no respect, really. And they have low self-esteem even for themselves. You'll find in a cult, that members of a cult, they'll never speak for themselves. They'll always say, our cult leader said. I'm not going to replace the word cult leader with what they use. But they'll use somebody who always said. Never, they can never even speak on their behalf. They can't think for themselves. It's impossible. And they, they attribute this kind of almost absolute authority to their cult leader. In a community, there's actually an open conversation between leadership and the people. And people can even criticize leadership and say, I don't think what you're doing is right. Or I'd like you to explain why you're doing this. Because I think there's a better way of doing it. And that's not taken as offensive. So long as it's not presented in an offensive way. So the, the community understands how to, dis, how to disagree in a respectful way. And leadership understands how to take those disagreements and respond to them in a respectful way. And there's this open channel communication. <coughs> One of the most important differences. When somebody joins a cult, they become distant from their family. When somebody joins a cult, the cult says, your family is part of fitna. You should stay away from them. They take you away from deen. Your family is dunya, it's worldly. You don't, don't worry about your family, worry about deen. The community says, no, your family is part of your deen. Making your family better, taking care of your family, spending time with your family is a part of your religion. You have to do it. You have to be a good dad and a good husband and a good father and all, all this stuff, a good mother. You know? So where a community makes families stronger, a cult can destroy families. A cult can take people away from their families. Fathers who no longer act like fathers. Husbands who no longer act like husbands. They don't fulfill their roles. A lot of masjids across America are cults. And very, very few masjids across America are communities. We have to make the effort of making all of the masajid across the country into communities. You know the last comment I made in my last session? You can't have the masjid operate properly without having what involved? Family. When you have family involved, it won't become a cult. It won't become a cult. It can't. 
when the family is uninvolved, there's just some people involved and one or two personalities dominate and it starts becoming a cult. And it just gets hijacked and then <coughs> some personalities take over the show. And that's what ends up happening. And everybody means well in the beginning. But that's just not how the world operates. We have to make an extra effort to create communities. To create communities. It's, it's a big priority. Huge priority for us in this country. So I wanted to start our conversation from that. And then I want to take you to this, just some practical components of Amr bin Ma'roof and Nahi anil Munkar, the last thing we talked about, and then move on to the, the next ayat that are coming since we have time, alhamdulillah. <coughs> 